so much of the charge, I mean, we're talking in like the high 90 percentile of all of the things that I used to worry about my life, like just went away. And it's not that the things went away, but the worries went away. Like I, I know from my own experience, like my own internal, like I know my anxiety feelings, right? Like I know where they are somatically. I know what's oh, up with them. Tell me I know about how it. much I yeah. don't like them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> like all of that kind of stuff. Like since my Bonte experience, I have had like less than five of those, that quality of emotion. I mean, it literally less mm. than five. And each of those episodes, each of those, you know, spans of experience, like less than two minutes. Like it's stunning. Like the whole, like, like everything is fine. Right. And it's not a Pollyanna. Everything is fine. It doesn't mean that like, I still don't, you know, suffer and get angry and be judgmental and, you know, bump my toe and do all those things. But it's just like, it's like, you know, there's this been this switch that has happened. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 28 of Contemplate This. I'm your host, Tom Bushlack, and my guest this time is Ben Joya. The foundation of Ben's work, in his own words, is mindfulness and loving kindness, and bringing that into the business space openly and publicly. In our interview, Ben talks publicly for the first time about an experience he had with his meditation teacher that allowed him to let go of all the doubt and that inner critical voice that was holding him back and that so many of us also struggle with. I'm very inspired by the way Ben integrates his contemplative practice into his professional life as a coach, a speaker, and an author. That work to align and integrate a contemplative spiritual practice with personal and professional goals can be a real challenge. Email inboxes overflow Putting out small fires distracts us from our most important goals. We can end up feeling overwhelmed and exhausted, wondering what, if any, real and lasting value we're contributing. If that resonates with you, then I'd like to invite you to join a new Facebook group for overwhelmed, stressed out, or burned out executives and leaders. This group is filled with valuable, proven, real deal information and amazing executives and leaders who are learning how to stay centered in why they want to lead with creativity, wisdom, and integrity in a whole new way. Check it out for yourself by going to thomasjbushlack.com forward slash Facebook group. It's just Facebook group with no spaces. Uh, as soon as you get in, you'll get access to videos, posts, interviews, and more about everything from dealing with stressful thoughts, learning simple practices to keep you centered all day and every day, letting go of limiting beliefs that are holding you back, and lots more. Again, you can go to thomasjbushlack.com forward slash Facebook group, and that'll click straight through from there where you can submit your request to join the group. So you can find that link as well as other information about Ben Joya and his programs on the show notes page at thomasjbushlack.com forward slash episode 28. That's episode 28 with no spaces. Also, in Ben's work, if you're struggling to write your big idea into a best-selling book and want to get going and kickstarted in just five weeks, you'll definitely want to check out Ben's program, also listed in the show notes page. Okay, with that introduction, let's get right into my interview with Ben Joya. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 28. My guest this time is Ben Joya, and I'm your host, Tom Bushlack. So Ben Joya is a two-time best-selling author, a speaker, and creator of the Influence with a Heart Method. So if you've got a big idea, Ben will, can teach you how to write your number one best-selling book in five weeks and position yourself for a media explosion and more in just three months. Uh, he also helped a Fortune 100 company shift its culture partially using some mindfulness techniques, and has trained leaders at uh, Stanford, launched the world's biggest magazine, and created a video game with MIT to transform employee resilience and customer experience. So Ben, thanks for being here on the show. It's great to have you. Uh, it's great to be here, Tom. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah. So is there anything you'd like to add to that intro or bio to introduce listeners to who you are? 
Gosh, you know, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, in my recent life, I really, really got clear on my business around my focus on messaging and positioning and helping people with their books. And, you know, the foundation of everything that I'm doing is mindfulness and loving kindness, like no doubt about it. Um, so I just, you know, really want to really want to call that out, not, o- not only to, to contextualize myself, but really to talk about the importance, um, as you know, Tom, of, of bringing the wisdom traditions and, and these universal, you know, human principles into the business space. So I'm guessing that maybe the more intentional integration of those two things is more recent. Is that correct? Well, you know, they've been there forever, but I think it's, it's more of the, um, the public integration, mm-hmm. you know, like I've been teaching this stuff for like 15 years. You know, I, I one of the, my first forays into, uh, you know, a mindfulness product was I created a mindfulness program in conjunction with an ALS patient, patient. So, uh, mm. Lou Gehrig's disease, um, mm-hmm. we made a mindfulness and we made a mindfulness program for patients and caregivers that was distributed nationwide through the ALS association. I actually got an award for that. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And back then, you know, I, I think I was um, very much, you know, heeding, heeding the words of, you know, the Buddha and many teachers of like, you know, you don't really want to shout it out, right? Like you're doing the practice, right? There's no need to be like, hey, I'm doing the practice, check me out, right? So I really kept it on the down low, even though I was weaving, you know, those processes, principles, you know, perspectives, you know, all that heart into my stuff. And then in the last several years, I, I've really brought it forward, A, you know, because we need it, and B, because people really resonate, resonate yeah. with it these days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the line from St. Francis that you maybe are familiar with, where he, he says, preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. Okay. Ah, I love that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that, that, like, harkens back to um, uh, my, my coach always talks about... Um, element zero like i think gandhi talked about that mm. like how, how you kind of make yourself nothing not in a bad way but like you know the the movement that you are bringing to the world and creating you know like it's not your movement right like you are the you know you are the thing standing out of the way to allow the thing to come through you are the vessel or the channel not the yeah. message itself yeah yeah beautiful. i said. like that yeah, yeah. so you. can you tell us a little bit about your own practice and how that that's come to inform some of the work that you do. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll do the, the, I'll do it historically, but I'll do it fast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my, my, and, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be slightly controversial here for a minute, Tom. So please, that makes it more interesting. Okay, good. Yeah. So, so when I was, I was raised uh, Catholic, you know, 12 years of Catholic school and all sorts of church and stuff. And then when I was like, when I was about 19, I was like, no way, this is all just, this doesn't make any sense to me. So like 26, really nothing. 26, I'm in a club and I take MDMA, otherwise known as ecstasy for the first time. And I went, oh, you know, there's so much more of spirit than I was acknowledging. And, you know, a few more years and a few too many drugs, uh, found my way to India, uh, discovered Reiki practiced that for a couple of years and then found my way into, um, into Goenka style uh, Vipassana meditation. So that's body, body based meditation using, you know, breath and then ultimately sensations. Right. Um, Did that for about 12 years and then found my way to an amazing teacher named Bhante Vimala Ramsey. And he talks about um, and teaches tranquil wisdom, insight meditation. So using the feeling of loving kindness, that's in your heart as the object of meditation. So not, you know, verbally saying, may you be happy and not, you know, visualizing, but like the feeling, the warm, glowy feeling of the love using that as the object. And that's what I've been, uh, that's what's, uh, it's been 11 months now. <laughs> oh, okay. So a little more recent than I realized. Yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And just interesting how we, you know, the, we walk the path and the path, unfolds for us yeah for us can you unpack a little bit for listeners who might not be familiar with what the goenka vipassana tradition sort of path and then we can get into the newer part of your practice yeah i'd be glad to um so i'm i'm uh 
you know, small disclaimer, like I am not an expert. <laughs> so I'm going to, you know, give my best understanding from my 12 years of experience. Well, it's okay. And that, that it's the experience that, that I think is really what I want to get at in the show. Okay. So yeah. Beautiful. Thank Thank you. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so the idea of, um, of basically the standard going to practice is a 10 day retreat to get started, which is kind of like a rocket ship beginning for most people, you know, into the meditation space. Cause it's, you know, it's no joke. Um, and you spend about the first three days just focusing on the feeling of your breath, like initially, you know, through your nostrils, like the airflow. And then, you know, it's basically like this, this triangle that's like top of your nose, you know, including your upper lip, if you imagine a triangle there. So just feeling the breath and stuff. And then over those three days, you, uh, you constrain your awareness. So by the end of the three days, you're just becoming aware of the sensations that are on your upper lip. Mm. So they can be, you know, naturally occurring sensations, or it could be the flow of, um, of the air right over your lip. So it's not so much that you're focusing on the breath anymore, but you're actually shifting into the focus of sensation. Okay. Right. And then from there, um, you will, you scan the body, scan your body methodically, feel a sensation starting at the top of the head, feel a sensation. Okay. Move, feel a sensation. Okay. Move. And then after a while, that movement just becomes a flow, right? So you're just starting at the top and flowing down to the bottom. And this is over, you know, many days, many hours, many minutes, many, many, many moments. <laughs> hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and, and a deeply powerful practice. Um, uh, and then, you know, kind of wrapped up at the end with uh, some metabhavna, some loving kindness. So basically taking the merits and sharing that with all beings. Um, so that I would say is the super nutshell of, of the Goenka practice wise. <laughs> yeah, that was well said and very Thank succinct. You. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. So that. then you had a shift with meeting this new teacher. So can you talk about how your practice has shifted a little bit? Yeah. So, so uh, it's very funny that we, we, we do very, we, some of our practices, I don't know about you, Tom, but for me, you know, like seemingly mundane activities in our practice, like following the breath or following sensations, you know, create the space for, you know, infinite possibility basically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Uh, so a, a funny version of that infinite possibility was January of last year. I'm looking on YouTube for Dhamma talks or Dharma talks by Goenka hmm. because I want to sit and I don't want to sit in silence. I want to hear a talk from him. And I come across this other teacher, Bhante Vimla Ramsey. And I see a head and I don't look at YouTube like to look like I'm not a YouTube like casual person. Right. <laughs> um, oops. I'm not a YouTube casual person. And I, uh, I see the video and I'm like, oh, that's kind of compelling. And I start watching and, and I'm listening to his teaching. And my first response is, no way. Wow. And then the next response is, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> and then a little further, but I keep watching, right? And a little bit further, I'm like, oh my God, I need to try this. And what this, what uh, Bonte teaches is, like I was saying before, using... Um, using the heart, using the feeling of loving kindness in the heart as the object of meditation, right? And, and so instead of using a body sensation or a breath or something like that, you're using that warm, glowy feeling. And uh, if you can't connect to that straight away, you know, you can put your hand on your heart for a moment and breathe into it. You know, you can picture holding a puppy or a kitten or a child, you know, smiling into that being's eyes you know, whatever, and you get that little glowy feeling and then just let it be, right? Like a, in the way that a candle flickers and lets off light and heat, like it's not efforting, right? It's just doing its thing. That's the same analogy that Bonte will use for the, um, you know, the, 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 the feeling of the loving kindness as the object. Um, so that's the, that's the setup. How am I doing so far? <laughs> oh, this is great. Yeah. Okay. Well, and if it, it's interesting to me too, because my, my sort of home practice is in the centering prayer and meditation tradition. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. But... Not, not in depth. I know of, but okay. I would love a recap yeah. if that's appropriate. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the initial teaching is, is that you choose a sacred word as your centering or sacred word. And the, the word itself doesn't really matter. It's more of a symbol. 
that when you repeat that word, you're offering your consent or your intention to say yes. Um, and if you're in the theological space, it's saying yes to the presence and action of God. You're saying yes to whatever is arising in the moment, whatever it is, internal or external. And that, that has been my practice for a little over two decades. And I was on a retreat a couple of years ago and was talking with a woman by the name of Bree Stoner, who works for the Center for Action and Contemplation. And she mentioned that uh, she had been working with her sacred word, feeling almost the sound sort of resonate in the heart center, uh, almost kind of between the heart center and the solar plexus chakras there. And so I kind of started allowing that to seep in a little bit uh, to my own practice and have, have since found that there's, there's definitely a, a space, for lack of a better term, where when I return to that sacred word, uh, that it, it resonates and vibrates in a particular way and has a, a feeling, sometimes even color or emotion attached to it. Mm. So it's interesting how the different traditions sort of settle into these similarities. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And that sounds like such a beautiful experience that you're having. And, you know, I'm going to footnote that one with, and it's not about the experience, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> experience yeah. is secondary. And it's nice to enjoy that experience, those experiences when they come through with the knowledge that, hey, this is just transient. Like, this is really great. And it's transient. Yeah, and I'm not going to get hooked on this, or at least try not to. <laughs> well, and something I think about, maybe struggle I don't know if that's too strong of a word uh, and let's see if this resonates with your own going more public with your, with some of your teaching is that when you're in a, a more public space and it's part of a, a business for you, as it is for me in some cases um, that uh, you know, the way people are interested in say deepening a practice is often through some of what those secondary benefits say like stress relief or feeling good in a particular way. And yet, in the back of our minds, we know that that's not the ultimate reason to practice, but it's also to use that Buddhist language of, of skillful means. That's a skillful way of entering into a practice. Uh, so curious if you've wrestled with that at all in your own teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually there's so many layers to that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm going to answer sideways. Um, one of the most helpful things that I've learned in the last couple of years, like that, I think I knew this a lot for a long time, but finally had words for it is that truth often comes in paradox or truth. I think all truth comes in paradox. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so to use that example that you gave, uh, yes, you know, stress relief, et cetera, right. As the, you know, topical symptomatic things, you know, that, that get somebody possibly onto the path or, you know, get them sort of on the path, but not really committed because they're just, you know, in it for themselves or, you know, whatever those things are. And at the same time, you know, the Buddha taught a path out of suffering. Right. Right. right? So, so I think what we, what I, where I start getting into with a lot of that is, um, you know, of course, where the intention lies, right. Um, for why we're doing anything is a big part of that. Um, I'm okay with uh, if skillful means, you know, help somebody feel a little bit better, you know, helps them interact with the other humans out there a little bit better and does or does not lay the groundwork for what's next in the practice, then I think that's great. Um, you know, and I, I will encourage people to go deeper, you know, and also try to hold that balance of, uh, you know, not forcing, you know, doctrine or ideas or right. ideologies on people. And sometimes that's really hard because I, you know, have gotten so much benefit. I imagine if you got, you have gotten some, I mean, look at you, right? Like <laughs> for anybody who's listening, Appreciate right now, that. We're, yes, we're, we're, we're on zoom, but, but no, you have, I mean, you have that, like you have that, that peacefulness that comes, right? Like, um, so yeah, so I think it's a, it's a multi-layered, um, you know, multi-nuanced thing. Uh, and yeah, I think the, I think we, we take the topical for all the good reasons that I, I take the topical for all the reasons that it can, you know, support stuff in the world. And I keep, 
you know, inviting and challenging people to, you know, how can you basically connect more deeply with who you are and express yourself more fully, you know, and, you know, have a, a, a path of practice, you know, that supports and nourishes you, not because it's supporting you, you know, and nourishing the ego, right? Like, hey, I'm a meditator now, check me <laughs> yeah. out, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, which, I, you know, I've done that. I mean, I think we've all done that, right? Um, but yeah, just to, to have, a, have a, you know, just to find, find your way to a practice that's really, you know, a place of refuge and, you know, you can just be expressing that practice kind of like the St. Francis quote from before, you know, and, and not worrying so much about telling all the people, you know, unless you have a, a good reason to tell people. And in this context today, you know, more and more people want their business with spirituality. Right. And yeah, and not to, not to say that too much like a marketer. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's, there's truth to that. I think people are hungry for, for deeper meaning and purpose to their work. Exactly. That yeah, uh, think... it's not just about a paycheck. I've exactly. come across some interesting experience uh, that on some research that people have done. I can't think of names off the top of my head of who did it, but uh, that, that they found that uh, people were willing to um, forego pay increases for opportunities to find more meaning in their work and right. feel like they were helping people, that they were connecting to something deeper and a purpose beyond yeah. just a sale or a product, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Without denigrating the fact that we have to pay the bills. So we do the sales, we do the product. Um, but, but why? And if I can connect that, then wow, that just, that changes everything. Right. Yeah. That's the stuff that will change an entire culture. Right. right of, of a company, of an organization, you know, of a country. <laughs> yeah. Kind of really get, get to it. <laughs> a little reminds me a bit of the evolutionary business council, which is um, an organization that we're both a part of. I just joined recently and yeah. um, part of their mission as well. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Hmm. Yeah. And um, you know, you, you had said something that sparked a sparked an idea and then it's gone for the moment. So let, let me let it come back if it comes back. It might back. come back around, yeah. <laughs> well, and I was thinking too about uh, how, how we offer the teaching publicly without, yes. without being dogmatic, without, but yet at the same time, like wanting to open that space to say there's, there's some incredible depth here if you want to go there. And then what I've found too is that the people who do want to go there or are ready to go there are often the ones sticking around after a workshop or a talk uh, or connecting you know, sending a message through a website or whatever it is, you know? So those opportunities usually come. Yeah, they, they, they do, which is really nice. I, I love um, probably in, you know, several, several, uh, you know, religious books from forever, you know, just the idea of seek for the truth and the truth shall appear. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, um, uh, do you know, uh, Sri Nisargadatta Maharaj? I don't think so. Don't okay. know that. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, I know Maharaji, but I'm thinking that's some something different. Somebody else. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm just picking up the book so I can make sure ah. I'm saying things correctly. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So Sri Nisargadatta Maharaj, kind of sounds like, kind of spelled like it sounds. He wrote a book called "I Am That," and ah. he was uh, a realized being in India. Um, I think he passed away, I don't know if it was 90s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, something like that. And, um, you know, just pr like uh, he was uh, just a regular person, beady. You know, like he, he, I think he worded, worked in a beady factory. So beadies are those, for anybody who knows the, those um, kind of nasty smelling Indian cigarettes that you can only get in India. <laughs> you know? I, think, I think he worked in a beady shop and all these things. And he basically you know he he had followed a guru and you know the guru said you know just do this one thing <laughs> um and he did for three years and became a realized being and if you you know if you read his stuff like clearly like he gets it um hmm. you know, i don't get i don't get all the words he uses all the time because some of the uh the languaging and framework comes from you know, more of the Hindu side of things and the idea of self and that kind of stuff. Like there's some of that terminology, you know, that, that is not all my terminology, but you know, whether there's a self or not, like, you know, we're all going to the same place. We're all doing the same thing for the same reason, right? Like, 
you know, no offense to the self people, no offense. To the people. <laughs> well, that's the great Hindu Buddhist debate, right? <laughs> and if we can resolve it in this podcast, then, you know, yeah. that would be amazing. But yes, I, I'm, I'm saying don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, that's I think many people have come to that conclusion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We don't even know what we mean by those words in in an ultimate sense, but exactly. Yeah, I wanted to circle back because one thing you said in there was how um, I, I'm not even going to try to say his name, but that his guru <laughs> said do this one thing, and yes. I love that um, going deep into a practice is actually uh, the simple part. I think people sometimes think, oh, I've got to learn all these techniques and yoga and stand on my head and learn different mantras and learn Sanskrit or whatever. But um, most traditions really keep it simple. I mean, you talked before about, right, the triangle breath that you come to focus on the upper lip, the sense of feeling in the heart. I've talked about the sacred word um, that really the depth comes from the absolute simplicity and single focus of a practice. And it's the, it's the, my, my experience, if this is true for you, it's the daily commitment to come back to that. That's where the depth comes. Um, and that's sometimes maybe a little confusing for people, maybe new to a practice or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so many layers to this one too. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're yeah, a multi-layered pod- podcast here. We, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's so great. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. So I, I think the greatest teachings, you know, dare I say this, the greatest teachings. I think the greatest teachings are the simple teachings. Um, I think there are a lot of teachings that are supplemented and complemented, you know, with, with theory and with hypothesis and with scripture and with commentaries, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. And, and because we're human beings and we have the brains and we have the, the reasoning capacity, you know, it can help to follow a logic train, right. To, kind of set something in your mind of, hey, this thing is possible, right? Like we wouldn't necessarily know to go for the truth if we didn't know that there was a truth to go for. And very often that comes through somebody's scripture or somebody's teaching or somebody's example, whatever that case is, right? So, and, and the reason why I say that is because I, I find it incredibly value. And then so many people get stuck in the scripture or the teaching or whatever it is and often neglect the actual practice. Yeah. Right? Yes. And, that's and 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 then the you know, and then and then wage wars. No pun intended, because Literally, that's yeah. what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, come on, everybody. <laughs> and again, the simplest meta or sane phrase that brings me back to that, that um, I think is a Zen saying, but the, the the finger pointing to the moon is not the moon. Exactly. We're yeah. aiming for the moon. Exactly. Let's use the finger if it helps point you in the right direction. And yeah. have deep reverence for it. I do. Um, exactly. But also, I think we, that's where fundamentalism start to come in is when we, we attach to the finger or the, whatever it is, the, the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't imagine there are many fundamentalists listening at this moment. Um, but I want to say to all of them that, you know, hey, <laughs> you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> It's, it's so much more fun. It's so much more peaceful. Like a lot less anger. A lot less anger. Better family relationships. You know, spousal relationships. Better job. Probably higher income. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, okay. So I want to ask you about like your what, like what does your daily practice look like on a really practical level? Like, is there a time of day that you? practice, a set amount of time, um, kind of habits that you've developed around it? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's evolved over, over a few years. Um, so when I was doing uh, the Vipassana practice, their, um, their invitation recommendation was an hour in the morning and an hour in the, in the evening of sitting, which is, which is no joke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I teach 20 to 30 minutes twice a day. I mean, right, I didn't right. come up with that, but that's kind of the tradition I teach out of. And yeah. I think that's hard sometimes. <laughs> sometimes indeed, indeed. Yeah. So, so there were several of those years that I was really good at that. There are several of those years that I wasn't really sitting. <laughs> hmm. There are several years where it was, you know, anything in between, um, you know, and, and, you know, in all, in all honesty, you know, my practice continues to evolve. 
Um, and from my now, whatever this year is, my 14 years of doing this, um, you know, what I really understand is that persistence and consistency are the most important parts of this, right? So if you can like meditate for one minute a day, you know, instead of skipping a day, right? Like instead of meditating seven minutes on Saturday, like, and, and think of that principle and just scale it up to whatever level, right? So, you know, go up to Tom's 20 or 30 minutes, right? You know, instead of saving that 20 or 30 minutes for Saturday, time seven, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Because A, it doesn't make sense. And B, you know, just like meditation, uh, pardon me, just like exercise, uh, just like, uh, you know, dieting, just, to, just like just about everything, right? The persistence and the consistency are what gets you there, right? Not the, you know, I'm going to lift 300 pounds on Saturday and then, you know, sit on the couch, you know, for the other six days, right? Like it doesn't work like that. And, you know, if you meditated one day a week, as opposed to no days a week, then awesome. Good for you. Keep it up. You know, may you build upon that. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, if you can, but, but, you know, like, uh, you know, take the, take the lesson from Tom and me and, you know, get your minute a day and whatever that is starting now. And you can add on and you can, you know, you can do it on the cushion, which I mean, yes, do it on the cushion or on the proverbial cushion, whether that's your chair you know, lying down, don't, you know, make sure you're not falling asleep. <laughs> right? um, and then also, you know, how do you bring that out into the world with you? So uh, the aforementioned practice that I'm doing with, with Bonte using the loving kindness, you know, the feeling of love in the heart, you know, A, I'm using that as an object when I'm sitting, but then when I'm walking around out in the world, like I am sending loving kindness to people, right? I'm kind of like pointing my heart at people, so to speak like what a brilliant practice because it's it's hard to get or stay mad at people when you're pushing love in their direction <laughs> yeah curious if you've ever heard of the heart math institute yes okay so yeah. i don't know it very deeply um i've had at least one maybe two other guests talk about it but just interesting how there's even scientific ways that we can measure the energy the electrical currents that emanate from the heart when we're in different spaces so it might, there is sort of that, you know, the imagining piece that you talked about of, of pointing that loving kindness at people, but there's something really happening there. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. I don't know tons of heart math stuff as well, but they have my understanding, like good science that measures these things. You know, it's not like, Hey, we have this kind of thing we made in the garage to measure, you know, <laughs> it's made out of tin foil and a right. colander, a metal strainer <laughs> <laughs> to, to measure how much heart you have, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, these, that these, this is a legitimate organization doing a bunch of work for a bunch of years now. Right. And um, yeah. And, and, you know, I think when you get into other disciplines, like if you get into quantum physics, right, like there is no solidity, there's no separation right? Like throughout the entire cosmos, right? So why wouldn't like, you know, me pointing love in that direction, not go in that direction? And why would it even, why wouldn't it stop? Why would it stop before the end of the universe? Right. Right. And people's like, you drop that on some people, they're like, no, you know, whoa, so big. Yes. And like, yes. And <laughs> right. Well, to use that quantum example, right? That the whole and the part are all contained in in the moment right and that's what another piece i think of what a regular practice does is it tethers us to that moment so that we're more attuned to um, what our intentions are how we're sending those out into the world how we're acting in alignment or not in alignment with them mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah yeah huh. um, yeah please after you <laughs> yeah so what about how do you experience the fruits of your practice if you will in daily life and in the work that you do in the world? Because I think that's yeah. an important piece too. Yeah. So I'm going to, um, I have to check in with myself for a second here because <laughs> something's happening. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. So I'm going to share something that I have not shared on, in a public venue before. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I say this with humility and gratitude and as, you know, a, as an answer to your question, um, you know, and also as, you know, yay, yay for the, the teachings that we practice and that give us fruit, right? So 
uh, when I made that switch over to that different practice, I went and sat a retreat, a nine day retreat with Bhante, um, you know, doing this, this practice. And he talked about things um, in, in, on the Buddhist path that most of the other teachers that I've encountered were saying like, you know, this will take you a bunch of lifetimes, you know, this is not, don't expect this to happen in this lifetime unless you like work like a crazy person at it. And you know what I mean? So long path, long path, long path. And Bhante was like, you know, several of my people on each retreat, like get that attainment by like the fourth day. Hmm. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, right? Because again, I'm all thinking of all the things that I had heard and all, and all the things I believed from all the legitimate teachers. And I'm not knocking anybody when I say this, right? Sure. But this is, this is my direct experience. You know, Bhante's like, hey, you know, this is, do the thing. This is how you do it, right? And then on, on the eighth day, like I had that attainment. Hmm. And it was not like I had like, oh my God, the blissful insight that, you know, like I came crashing down a couple of days later. It was like, no, like I had the attainment and, you know, the Buddhist description was like, I saw the arising of the consciousness and the fading away. And when you see, like the Buddha teaches the whole time, you know, that anything that is inconstant, which is everything, <laughs> um, is, is stressful, right? Like creates yeah. stress because you can't sure. count on it. And at the point when you actually see it in your meditation, um, it basically like unravels a whole bunch of like the, the, you know, and I'm, I'm using Ben terms, not Bonte and not Buddha terms. <laughs> well, that's probably good. Yeah. It's a little more, yeah. it makes it approachable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like all the charge, not all the charge, so much of the charge. I mean, we're talking in like the high 90 percentile of all of the things that I used to worry about my life, like just went away. And it's not that the things went away, but the worries went away. Like I, I know from my own experience, like my own internal, like I know my anxiety feelings, right? Like I know where they are somatically. I know what's oh, up with them. Tell me about how it. much I yeah. don't like them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> like all of that kind of stuff. Like since my Bonte experience, I have had like less than five of those, that quality of emotion. I mean, it literally less mm. than five. And each of those episodes, episodes, each of those, you know, spans of experience, like less than two minutes. Like it's stunning. Like the whole, like, like everything is fine. Right. And it's not a Pollyanna. Everything is fine. It doesn't mean that like, I still don't, you know, suffer and get angry and be judgmental and, you know, bump my toe and do all those things. But it's just like, it's like, you know, there's this been this switch that has happened. And, you know, the, if you ever read the power of now by Eckhart Tolle, um, other familiar people. with it but i actually haven't read it yeah yeah totally totally okay and and probably he you know other books of his as well like he talks about having an awakening experience and then he basically went and sat on a bench for like eight months and just kind of went like wow like, whoa <laughs> <laughs> um so like i'm having my version of that like i'm not sitting on a bench but I'm, I'm going through like my entire life, just like doing all the things I normally do. Like I'm watching Netflix, right? Like I'm eating Chinese food. I'm walking in the park, right? You know, just all of my, all of Ben, I'm doing Ben, <laughs> right? And it's all just like from a place of ease now, like the, like my business took off four months after the Bonte retreat, mm. right? And I can't say therefore, you know, my business took off, but interestingly enough, after 10 years, my business took off and it's like, and I mean, it's not that I don't work hard sometimes, but I don't rush anymore. I don't push anymore. And as soon as I feel like I'm pushing, I like I'm stepping back and I'm just like, I'm trusting it. I'm like, you know what? This universe is infinitely bigger than I am, right? Why am I going to fight against like the unfolding of everything around me? And I really, really got that from this whole experience. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now I've got layers that I need to unpack here in that because that was, that was incredible. Thank First of all, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I, I didn't know that was going to happen today. And, and <laughs> you know, I feel. These are the moments that I live for in this. Yeah. Because uh, it's you. so beautiful and authentic and it's clearly not, you know, it's not scripted. Well, my first thought is, 
immediately we had we had email exchanges prior to this, but we we hadn't sort of been on Zoom like this. And then as soon as we got on this call, I my immediate sense was an incredible kind of lightness and freedom that you exude. And now I know why after you just explained that. Um, and then the other piece that I want to touch on is you talked about um, how that has applied to like your business and not getting caught up in pushing things to happen. I had a, um, I, I, I don't think it was quite as profound as what you're describing as on your retreat, but just a few days ago, um, I just released a new website and, and some, you know, things I'm really excited about. And I pushed a little too hard on my email list and started getting a lot of people bouncing back and um, even marking the emails as, as spam or junk because I was yeah. probably sending too many because I was all excited and I wanted to like force it, you know? Yeah. And I got, so then I got really upset and I went into my like shame cycle, right? Oh, you idiot. Why'd you do that? You know, you're ruining your success. What even as it's happening, but again, I, but there was a part of me that was watching it where I wasn't a hundred percent caught up in it. And at the, this was all in like a day. By the end of that day, what I came back to was uh, the, the lesson and the gift in this experience is when I let it happen, mm. it happens. And when I push, then it becomes about me. It becomes about my ego. It becomes about what I, the outcome that I want versus the outcome that is right for everybody involved, you know? So that, that's really profound affirmation in your own story. So I appreciate hearing that. You're very welcome. And, yeah. and I appreciate what you said in, in response. Uh, you know, it reminds me of, um, there's an author named Wallace Waddles. Yeah, yeah. You know Wallace Waddles? I do, I, yep, yeah. Yeah, so for, for listener context, um, one of the very first people who was writing, you know, self-development, personal development books, so probably like in the, you know, early few 1900s kind of maybe time. Maybe even late 1800s. Late maybe. 1800s. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Early 1900s, yeah. But well well before any of us were on the earth. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah, and, you know, the time of Think and Grow Rich from Napoleon Hill, like that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, Wallace Waddles has the science of being rich, the science of being great, and I think the science of being well as yeah. in health. It's like a three-part. Um, yeah, and, and in the science of being either rich or great or both, <laughs> probably both, you know, he talks about like you can only, you know, do everything you can in the day, you know, like on the day that you can do it, and then that's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it, it is so profound, right? It's so, first it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll just, yeah, I can only do what I can do during the day. And it's like, no, <laughs> stop right there. <laughs> Listen to Tom and Tom's example <laughs> and Ben's, right? yeah, yeah, like that. You think you can do so much more, and you have to do so much more, and you know. And this is a funny balance, and this is truth and paradox again, because you need to do the work. Like the universe will not be a co-conspirator and a co-creator if you are not taking the steps, doing the things. Like you can't. I mean, contrary to you know, what's this? I'm gonna I'm gonna contradict myself several times in the next. 10 seconds. Well, truth you know, resides in paradox, as you pointed thank, out earlier. Thank you. Yeah. So, so, so on the one hand, you know, like, um, you know, d don't, what's that? Don't, don't just do something, meditate. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and on the other hand, you know, don't just sit there, do something, right? Like both of those things are true for all of the things that we're describing, like that, that, you know, the, the intention and the action, pardon me. Yes the intention, like the volition, the reason why you're doing the thing, and then the action, the expression of that thing, uh, you know, is incredibly important. Like, and both of those things have to be together. Like you can't just get there with intention and you can't just get there with the action. Right. It's a mm. really, you know, the, the two wings of what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. So I want to go back to your description of the, the moment you had as well, because you were putting it in your terms. Sure. And I'm going to maybe put it a little bit into my terms and see if this resonates with you. But the way you were describing that, particularly because I've struggled with anxiety, you talked about how go going from maybe getting caught up in that regularly or frequently to just five times and that it being very short. And so what I was picturing was that 
that as you were going into that familiar response in your body and in your mind, that there was a part of you that stayed out of that sort of, and you could, it's almost like you could watch a storm forming on the horizon, right? The clouds were gathering, but instead of just getting lost in that, you saw it, you knew it was happening, but you didn't get totally caught up in it. And because of that, we're able to kind of allow it to just almost pass through you um, and see in Buddha, Buddhist language, we'd almost talk, talk about the formlessness of what, of what is happening at the heart of it. Is that accurate to like your description? Uh, it, 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 yes. And yeah, <laughs> just to keep, keep all the paradox, yes, please. Words, you know, um, so everything that you said is, is absolutely accurate and beautiful and, and clear. And everybody who's listening, you know, listen to Tom when he says that. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and um, what I noticed was what you just described was sound, sounded to me like it was almost like there was a conscious awareness of like, there's the storm and I'm watching it from over here. Right. And that, that conscious awareness of the storm that happens when the storm is really, really big, right? Like when the comes through, but like the rest of the time when it's not like really, really big, like I, I f will feel like bloop of like that discomfort, bloop mm. of that guilt, bloop of that like lust, right? And, and every once in a while, like I'll, I'll have the, I'll have them. And so, and I'm not even like, I'm not even stopping to watch it. It's just like, you know, oh, there was something, there was something, right? Like it, it's like that subtle. Mm. And, then, and then the, the more engaged awareness comes when the storm is really big. Wow. Sorry, I'm pausing because I just, I want to take that in. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it, it's, it's really so, I have so much gratitude. It's, it's like the, it's like, you know, over this last year, like, like everything, not everything, <laughs> mostly everything like from the past became okay. Like all the things that like would be running around in my head and like, the regret I had about this or the anger I had at this person, like so many of the most of those things like really became okay. Right. Like mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, it's taking, it took me 10 years to like get a business working and, you know, I found my way into some, you know, incredible debt. And, you know, the fact that like many years ago I didn't, you know, in tremendous quantity of drugs and, you know, have spent, I've probably spent more than like $200,000 on drugs in my life. Right. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> like it's all okay. Right. Like I don't recommend it. <laughs> it's not okay back. as in promotional. Yeah. Right. Funny. Uh, I don't want to go back there. I'm not going back there. And like, it's all okay because with the, everything else I just described really came like forgiveness came through in its most profound form for me. Right. It's just like, you know, because, and, 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 um, Bonte's, uh, what's the word? Um, you know, kind of like a side, side person. I can't even think of a great word right now. <laughs> David, let's call him David. Cause that's his name. Okay. Yeah. David, David, um, talks about the idea with forgiveness of forgiving your, forgiving yourself and forgiving the other person for not understanding. Hmm. Right. Because at the time of the thing, it happened because you or that person or both of you did not fully understand, you know, whatever was going on, whatever you were, you know, blindly doing like, and, and this is not, these are not excuses. You know, this is not, this is not a, a like, we still got to take a hundred percent responsibility for all our actions and forgiving ourselves, forgiving each other for not understanding. Um, was one of the most powerful things that came out of that because it, it, it also gave me words to be able to share. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Someone who's teaching, I think is good on that point is uh, Tara Brock yeah. who also comes out of that Vipassana background as well as a trained psychologist. But I always appreciate when in her talks that she will mention like, yes, accepting where people were they're at, even forgiving them and ourselves for the things that we've done. But that doesn't mean we make ourselves into a uh, a doormat, 
that we still have boundaries. We still need to sometimes express to people that what they're doing is not okay and, and uh, protect ourselves in that way. And it's, again, well, there's another paradox for you to, to chew on. Ah. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. Well, are there other, I don't know, aspects of your practice or ways that you now integrate that into the work that you do that you'd like to share or touch upon? Sure, sure. So um, I'll kind of jump around a little bit and try to try to popcorn some things and then, you know, give talk about something a little bit longer. So, you know, just the idea of, of right speech by the Buddha, you know, speaking kind and kindly and, you know, ways that support people in the conversation and doesn't create more harm. I mean, that's interwoven into all of what I teach around writing books and positioning oneself and being a better leader, being a better communicator, you know, more empathy, right? Asking for stories, sharing stories, listening, listening, (laughs) say it again, listening. (laughs) Lots of listening. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so all of those things, you know, in there tremendously. And then, um, you know, kind of in a bigger picture, the idea of, of being, you know, clear and aligned among, you know, who you are, what you're about, why you're here, how you want to serve, who you want to serve, what you want to offer, and then offering that to them. Um, you know, not as easy as that sentence came out of my mouth. <laughs> I know I'm thinking about my own process, like, gosh, that seems easy. <laughs> yeah, it's really kind of a challenge. Yeah. 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 Um, but just the more, and, and, and that, that is a practice, just like everything else is a practice, right? It's not, they, they call it a, what, a spiritual practice, not a spiritual perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this applies here. And, you know, coming into all of that alignment that I just described, you know, it takes some time, right? And that's okay. But the more you are, you know, aligned and more an expression of yourself, like the more you're going to enjoy your work, whether it's a job you have, you know, and you're injecting that enjoyment into it, or it's a job you're creating, right? Like, this is not just for the entrepreneurs and the solopreneurs, like this is for all of us, right? Um, so there's that. And then the last part was I, um, I, you know, have been doing public speaking for quite a while. And I had two experiences in India in 2004 and 2006 that have been, you know, they're both in my book or yes, they're both in my book. And, um, you know, I've, I've told the story in the context of, of giving talks and presentations before, but, uh, this year I actually presented that talk at speakers who dare, uh, which is an event in New York city. And what I was able to do, and a lot of it came from that experience at that retreat with Bonte, I was able to really, uh, what's the word, clarify and articulate the two experiences that I had, you know, into tangible wisdom that I could articulate and then teach from. Mm. So basically, uh, right. So, so basically the, the, the practice and the teachings, you know, helped me process an experience that now, you know, is part of my curriculum and the core of my teaching. And it's not, and, and it's, uh, it's not only, meditation stuff. (laughs) Um, But I also use the recording of the talk for my students to show them a certain kind of story arc and what I did in this place. And hey, if you do something like this, put that at the front of your book, that's going to be an interesting book. Like even if you don't have like a crazy wacky story, but just something that connects you to the audience. Yeah, that that resonates with them. Yeah. Yeah. So those are so that's how the those are the kind of big ways that that the practice and the teachings you know are informing my work yeah yeah well i just i appreciate hearing the stories of where where that's really lined up because i think that's for me anyways that's where i feel that spark of of energy of like yeah yeah that's what we that's what we need more of in the world yeah and like you said not just it doesn't have to be in just for the solopreneur space but you know any kind of uh, traditional workplace or non-traditional and everything in between. It's just, it's really who we bring into the world and whether or not we do that with, with as much integrity as we can in the moment. Yeah. 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 That beautifully said, um, uh, my, my coach who I'm referencing several times today, 
Thank you, Joseph. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, is that Joseph Ranseth? It is Joseph Ranseth. Okay, so he's he's the one who like found this podcast and reached out to me. And that's how I got connected with with you and Mag and oh, that's so funny. all kinds of other people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Yeah. Nice to know all that. Um, but yeah, he he says something to the effect of, uh, you know, that our our best ability to, you know, be doing these great things in the world comes from how we are being first and foremost, right? Like we can get so much further by our being, <laughs> being aligned, being peaceful, you know, being receptive and capable in whatever's coming up in the moment versus just doing and trying to make the things happen and force right. the things forward, right? Because when you're in that space of being, you know, you're not, you're in a space of, of calm and peace. And like, that's where all the magic happens. Like that's where the wisdom comes through. The intuition comes through. You know, that's your ability to be nimble <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and to do what's needed in the moment, you know, more than what you may have thought needed to happen in that moment. Yeah. And there's a, there's a piece that I haven't found a better word for it yet, but I don't find it to be an adequate word, but it's it, intuition is what I'm thinking that when you are fully in the moment, there are those times where, I don't know, maybe we all have our habits and our playbooks that we follow. And then you have these moments, or I've had these moments where I'll do something different. I'm not even sure why. It's like a sense. And then it just opens up a whole new realm of possibilities. And, and it can be like a, a problem that has, we've been working on for years, say in a team at work or something, or a personal relationship or issue. And then it's like, oh, how, how did that happen? How did that break in? <laughs> right, right, right. But, it, but yeah. to your point earlier, we have to be listening and paying attention. Otherwise we miss those when they opportunities, when they come up. Right. Right. And for the listening, like we need to be quiet. And even if that's just for a couple of moments, right. And, and it's, it can be hard to be quiet, right? Like I'm, I'm coming down right now. I'm going to rush so I can go do yoga, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it is a practice. And, and the reason why I'm saying that right now is because, you know, people, people started, you know, like any, any habit, like trying to make something regular and it's not exciting. It's not appealing, right? Like all these kinds of things. It's not meant to be exciting. Like pleasant things will happen. You know, sometimes it'll be a lovely meditation. Sometimes it'll be like the worst meditation ever, ever. Both of those statements are incorrect. <laughs> right. <laughs> really break it down. Right. It was that's what, those are the things that happened during that time when you were sitting there, <laughs> right? It is really the brass tacks. And the mere fact that you were sitting there with the intention of sitting there and the intention of staying you know, with your breath or with your heart or whatever that is, is the most important thing. Or maybe that and the fact that every time you got distracted, you came back. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Those are like, that's it. And, and, you know, for all of you who are, doing meditation, continuing meditation, about to do meditation, like don't, you know, don't get caught in. It has, it's going to be like this. It's going to be great. You know, let it be great by not expecting anything from it other than you show up. Right. Amen. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the Buddhist word for amen is in Pali, but, uh, or Sanskrit, <laughs> but whatever like it is. It. It's, um, you know what it is? It's uh, sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Huh. And do you know that term? Well, sadhu, doesn't that mean like a one who's devoted to practice? Right. So in, in, I think in the Hindu, like kind of pantheon terminology, et cetera, the sadhu is, is one of those people. But in, uh, in Pali, so at the end, of, um, the end of the sittings, the sadhu, sadhu, sadhu harkens back to the monks and the nuns, basically saying the teaching was given and they would say, yes, it is good. Mm. Right. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Okay. Yeah. And that is very similar to the original Hebrew Aramaic roots of Amen. Oh, right on. Yay. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> We've made the circle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Love it. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, well, I, okay. I have a couple, if you're, if you're game, I have a couple questions I like to ask everybody at the end. And Please, they're like, yeah, yeah. Fill, fill in the blank, just whatever pops into your head. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like Mad Libs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I like to use the word contemplation. You might think of it in terms of meditation or practice, but 
Um, so how would you fill this in? Contemplation is? Gift. The purpose of contemplation is all about? Discovering yourself. I can't help but say this, if there is a self. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're the Buddhist here. <laughs> well, you know. Let, let, let me, Tom, I'm going to jump in for a second. Um, I love what Goenka, uh, Goenka Ji taught around the term Buddhist, yeah. which, which I ascribe to. He said, you know, Buddhist is, you got to be careful with that one too, because it can be secular and dogmatic, right? But how about, you know, person who follows the teachings of the Buddha? Which is very similar to where I've come to, it's harder to say, but in my own understanding of one raised in the Catholic Christian tradition, Mm-hmm. saying you know one who follows the teachings of christ right. yeah because okay. christian has taken on all kinds of political and other kinds of connotations that can be an obstacle for another person hearing a, a teaching you know yeah yeah. Yeah. Said, yeah yeah sorry to interrupt it, no it was a good interruption i like okay. interruptions <laughs> okay is there a word or a phrase that captures the heart of your contemplative experience love and joy that's two words, three words. <laughs> <laughs> two of the four uh, divine abodes. Exactly. Well yeah. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yep. And then do you have a hope for the next generation or those who are picking up or sticking with contemplative practice? Yes, that they, you, <laughs> I'm going to speak to you right now. Those yeah, of you picking up, um, That yes, it's good to try out some things because this is an amazing world and yes, try out some practices, check some things out. And then as soon as you can, you know, dig the deep well, as the analogy goes and dig into a practice and go deep into a practice and go deep into that practice for like at least five years before you think about switching to another practice. Mm. Because if you really want to get the fruits, right? Like don't worry about so much. This practice is better. Don't, you know, go with what you resonate and what you will do and that you feel comfortable and safe and supported and loved in the community of practitioners around you and do it for five years. Mm. And then if you need to double check and maybe change something, then that's fine. But, um, you know, if not, then keep it going. <laughs> oh, I love that. Cause I, I think there, there is, there are so many different things out there that you can ping pong around. Um, and just like we talked about earlier, you can get caught up in the fundamentalism I think it's a similar kind of distraction to get caught up in the the shiny pearls of the surface level of all the different kinds of practices and different teachers. Yeah. Um, so I would wholeheartedly agree with that. To If you want to throw yourself in and, and trust a tradition that, that has been proven and go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the term uh, spiritual materialism. Yeah. Right. Like just all the, I've been to all these retreats and I've drank all the, all this ayahuasca and you know, all these, and th- and that's fine, right? But A, you know, stop talking about it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Unless you're trying to help someone. <laughs> right, right. right? Um, and then even be careful at that point and be, you know, just like commit to something because like, like you're going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die. We're all going to die. There's no, we have no idea when, right? Like, so you know, I'd like to say like the sooner, you know, and, and again, don't freak out, but like the sooner you find your way into that abode, right into that refuge, you know, that's going to support your departure from this life. Mm. That seems like a fitting thought to, to conclude on since that's where we're all headed together and the great equalizer between us all. Right. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Well, thank you. Yeah. No, this is yeah. absolutely dynamite. And I got to, you know, explore a couple places and share a couple things that, you know, hadn't come up before. So I'm really, really grateful for just expert, you know, not just interviewing, but listening and holding space, all the things that you are doing. So thank you so much, Tom. Thanks again, everybody for listening. Ben makes it look so easy to align his contemplative practice with his personal and professional life. But as the saying goes, simple ain't easy. It is easy to get stuck in constantly feeling overwhelmed or confused about how to deepen a contemplative practice. Unfortunately, that leads too many people to give up or to never even try in the first place. 
I hear from people every day who just don't know what to do or who want to get back into their practice but don't know where to start. That's too bad because these are common problems and they really can be solved. If you're looking for added support, I encourage you to take some action right now and join our Facebook group by going to thomasjbushlack.com forward slash Facebook group. That's all one word. And you can also visit the show notes page at thomasjbushlack.com forward slash episode 28. That's episode 28. You can check out Ben's process for developing your big idea into a profitable book or join my email list to keep getting tips and opportunities to deepen your practice. Life flies by so quickly, so don't waste another minute not taking action on aligning your spiritual contemplative practice with your desire to give back to the world. Finally, my intention and prayer is always that you find inspiration to learn more, to go deeper into your practice, and to open your heart to share your gifts with our world that needs so much healing right now. Until next time, peace to you and to everyone you encounter. Keep using your voice to speak truth, compassion, and justice into our world. Peace, and thanks again for listening. 